0: Cynthia Hyatt.
1: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I appreciate you joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and we are talking about addictions this week. Last week, we talked all about actually helping the one you love, and this week, we're going to talk about really what it is to love someone that has an addiction. And this is for all the people that struggle with addictions, and there are many of us that do. So I'm glad that you are spending time with me today, and and want to make sure that you listen to that first show, because I spent a lot of time talking about what addictions really are, how they occur. We talked about the difference between compulsions, disorders, disease, habits, dependencies, and addictions and addictions in its entirety, and how this occurs in a person's life. And much of this truly is a DNA issue. Some people are more susceptible than others. However, you may not have any DNA at all that that would uh, predispose you to addictive behavior, but if you indulge in any type of addictive substance for any length of time, The body addicts and once it addicts stopping that process going through the process of of really healing from that addiction resisting that addiction is a very painful process and what we do know about the body the brain is once the brain learns that addiction there's a neural net that is created like a super highway in your mind And it's similar to if you have a vacuum cleaner plugged into the wall, doesn't do anything unless you turn it on. If you have at any point in time addicted to something, once you do it one time, it turns that neuronet on. And and I, I frequently tell people, I was very addicted to cigarettes in college, and it was brutal. And I quit the day I graduated from college. That was 1985, actually. And to this day, I know, I respect that addiction, because to this day, if I picked up a cigarette, I'd be smoking the same amount within a week that when I quit in 1985. That's how powerful these addictions are, how powerful the brain is, and how the body responds to that substance, or that compulsive behavior. This is why we have to be careful with people that struggle with alcohol. If they even go into a nightclub, it starts to awaken it and they have to be very, very careful. There are many things that can trigger that feeling for someone that causes them to start entertaining again that thought of, hey, maybe I can. It's been a long time. Maybe I can control it now. Maybe, you know, I, I can manage it now. And it's very, it's a very difficult and painful issue to have an Addiction. And we want to really respect it. And we want to really make sure that we are not judging anyone that's struggling with an addiction. It doesn't mean we don't judge the behavior because the behavior is terrible, it's destructive, and it can be deadly. But we don't judge the person's heart. Nobody wants an addiction. Nobody wants an addiction. Nobody's asked their permission when it comes to their own DNA. And it's very, very important that we recognize that God does not judge the addict. And Jesus is very, very clear about not judging people. And it's probably one of the most widely quoted of his sayings, even though it's almost invariably quoted in complete disregard of its context, okay, many times, but, but the statement that Jesus says is, do not judge or you too will be judged. And that's Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And many people use this verse in an attempt to silence their critics, I, you know, interpreting Jesus' meaning as, you know, you, you don't have the right to tell me I'm wrong. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, don't judge. This this means don't judge this person's heart, their mind, their body. Their circumstances, their life, whatever has come about to create an addiction and how that has happened. Again, it doesn't mean we don't judge the behaviors. If we have someone that's struggling with alcohol and they lose their job as a result, well, there are consequences for not getting help with an addiction. But we don't judge the fact that the person has an addiction. Because, like I said, nobody asks for that. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to contend with it. Nobody wants to talk about it, deal with it, or own it, or say, yeah, I have have an addiction. So the Bible's command that we do not judge others doesn't mean we don't show discernment. And when God was talking about, when Jesus was talking about do not judge, He also says, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. Which means that if someone is struggling with an addiction, there's there's some discernment as to how we are going to be in relationship with them. This does not mean that we're judging their heart. And so when the Bible commands that we don't judge others, It's important that we judge actions because there's there's morality and truth that is an important part of being discerning. And so the Bible clearly teaches us that truth is objective. It's eternal. It's inseparable from God's character. And anything that contradicts the truth is a lie. But of course, to call something a lie is in some ways to pass judgment. So the judgment is about the person's behavior. Because if someone's struggling with an addiction, they're living a lie. And the Bible does command that we don't judge others as, as, as a, mechan- not, not as a mechanism for not dealing with sin. We have a whole book entitled Judges. Because we have a judicial system, we have this whole entire way that we organize society, we organize families, we organize businesses, as to how we can make it successful. So when we are judging someone's behavior that is an addict, what we are saying is these behaviors are not conducive to any success in your life. This is why we want them to stop. This is why we want to help them. So superficial judgment, this is wrong. And, and passing judgment on someone simply solely on the appearance of, a, of sin is wrong. And we don't jump to conclusions before really, truly investigating the facts. And we don't want to fall into hypocritical judgment either. This is horribly wrong. When we are are judging an addict, when we're not looking at the own sin in our life. And that's that verse that really talks about, you know, the splinter in their eye and the log in yours. And so when we point out sin that others are committing, Well, we are committing our own type of sin, because everybody has sin, and everybody has a particular type of sin that they are more susceptible to. So when it comes to judging, we also want to resist being harsh and unforgiving, that we are gentle toward people. We can set really firm boundaries and be very assertive in boundary setting. And we can be confrontational without being harsh and unforgiving. So we are always to be gentle toward everyone. That's Titus chapter 3 verse 2. I love that verse. And Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 says, it is the merciful who will show mercy. The merciful are the ones that will be shown mercy. And in Matthew chapter 7 verse 2, Jesus warns. He says, "In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you." Another type of judgment that is very, very wrong is, is the self-righteousness, because we are called to humility. God opposes the proud. And so if we don't struggle with addictions and we look down on someone with an addiction, and we see them as weak, or characterological, or how, whatever it is that we think of them, that type of self-righteousness will be opposed by God. And the Pharisee, in Jesus' parable of the, of the Pharisee, the tax collector, was confident in his own righteousness, and from that, proud position judged the publican. And Jesus came against that because, see, God sees the heart. He sees the heart. We also want to make sure that we don't fall into judgment that is what we call untrue judgment. Because the Bible clearly forbids bearing false witness. And so untrue judgment means that we're not to slander people. So if somebody's struggling with an addiction... And we start telling everybody and gossiping about them and telling only one side of the story because we don't know the whole story as to how and why the addiction occurred god clearly forbids this so sometimes we as christians are accused of judging or we're intole- or that we're we have intolerance when we're speaking out against sin but opposing sin is not wrong and an addiction is sin, but not in its entirety. It's a lot more complicated than that. It isn't a black and white issue in that way. Because many times we have, we have, we have, we have, we have veterans that come back that have had horrible, horrible injuries, horrible post-traumatic stress syndrome, and become addicts. So the addiction absolutely is wrong. It's not helping the situation. But how the addiction occurred is a big part of the story. And so we are really warned against judging others unfairly or unrighteously. And we are to be discerning. And we are to really work on the entire picture of understanding the person before we judge anything about the person we have to recognize we don't know the whole story. And so we speak the truth in love. We make sure that we are tolerant of people's pain, but intolerant of bad behaviors. Because the bad behaviors are harmful to the person. So there's a big difference between enabling and giving an environment of grace, mercy, forgiveness, patience, tolerance. So when we talk about this issue of tolerance, the tolerance is, think about how tolerant God is with us. If he weren't tolerant, we'd all be dead. So we want to practice tolerance. That does not mean that we are tolerant of bad behaviors, because bad behaviors are harmful. So what that means when we talk about this idea of an excuse versus an explanation. See, people are allowed to explain how they got into the predicament that they did. And it's really important information. When I treat anyone that's struggling with an addiction, it's very important information for me as to how it occurred. So the explanation is very relevant because it's a part of the treatment. It's a part of understanding how to help the person get out of the addiction, overcome the addiction, and stay out of the addiction. So if part of the explanation has to do with, well, I come from a family that has all generation after generation after generation of of addicts, that's important information for me to know. If there was a traumatic event, and up until that traumatic event, they didn't ever struggle with addictive issues, and the traumatic event that was intolerable to this person, that's important information. So explanation is very different than an excuse. An excuse is someone that's struggling with an addiction explaining, quote unquote explaining, why they continue to be in the addiction with no effort to get out of the addiction so giving excuses for bad behavior doesn't help any of us and really doesn't help someone struggling with an addiction but an explanation people are allowed explanations this is when god says come let us reason together Though your sins were as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. He wants to talk with us about it the same way that when we are helping someone that's struggling with an addiction, they have a right to explain what's happening in their life, what's happening in their psyche, what's going on in their heart, what's going on in their life, as we offer whatever support we are able to give them or help them find the help that they need. When people are struggling to change behaviors, they're allowed time. Excuses are buying time to continue in the addiction. Explanations are providing time to heal. This is why it's very important to understand that the judgment piece, if we are judging a person and and always understand that this is how you know you will judge someone, If you are truly judging someone in the way that God is opposed to, you will feel better than them. You will think you're better than them. It's a one-down position. So you're looking down on them. When God sees all of us on a horizontal level, we are all sinners, we are all struggling, we are all of equal value to God. Our sin and our struggles are not all the same. When we're judging we actually turn it to a vertical position that there are people better than me and I'm better than other people. That's the judgment piece that we really, really want to resist and we want to repent for. Because God is going to be harsher with the person that's judging than he is with the person that's captured by an addiction. The addiction piece Is being captivated, it's being held hostage, and the person that's addicted needs to be set free. So when you think about how God views the person that is judging versus the addict, it's important that you recognize the amount of compassion God has for someone captured, taken hostage by an addiction. We need them to be rescued, not judged. That doesn't mean there isn't consequences. And sometimes the consequences for an addiction are the loss of relationships. They may not be safe enough to be in relationship with. Sometimes the consequences are financial. Sometimes if we, if we have spouses, children, friends, sometimes the consequences for the addiction is cutting them off saying, I, can't, I, I can no longer be in relationship with you if you continue in this behavior that is killing you. That's not being judgmental. That's consequences. And we're going to talk a lot about tho- those kinds of differences because it is sometimes it feels like a very subtle, fine line as to when I'm being judgmental and when I'm being consequential. Because the consequences does not mean I'm being parental unless I am consequencing a a child that is struggling with an addiction. Consequences simply means because of this behavior, this is the action that follows. Because of this behavior, this is what comes with that behavior. Those are natural and logical consequences. When we allow for natural and logical consequences, the addict has a much better chance of healing than when we are being judgmental, when we are trying to be controlling, when we are trying to make them pay. So I I want you to, to really think about and understand the power of addictions because addictions, a really good way to understand is that it is truly a search for emotional satisfaction. It gives a sense of security, a sense of being loved. It's even a sense of control over life. This is why when we look at explanation, we are saying, what, what's the emotional issue going on with this person? Are they, are they struggling with tolerating negative feelings like loneliness or insecurity or uh, not feeling good enough, not measuring up? Are they ha- is there trauma that they ha- have incurred growing up or recent trauma that they have incurred? This sense of security, a sense of being loved, this is why this is an altered state. Addictions often alt- offer these feelings of security when actually, it's also we know it's very false because it's a false sense of security. It's an altered state. It isn't real. The gratification is temporary. It's illusory. And the problem is that those behaviors result in a greater feeling of self dis- self-disgust. It reduces psychological security. We have poor coping ability. And this is what addictions have in common, is that the very thing the person that is struggling with it feels like it's giving them is the very thing it's stealing from them. So this is why when we are looking at addictions and not judging, this is why we are wanting to understand what's going on with the person. And so addictions, if you really consider the fact that addictions are holding a person hostage, and God came to set the captive free. This is why God has so much mercy and grace. He understands that we are living in fallen bodies, that we, are, we, we have sin raging through our body, and that living down here is tough. I I frequently tell clients, you know, you have to remember this is hell down here. Satan is the ruler of this world, he's the king. And so we get pieces of heaven because God intervenes in our lives and we experience God through other people and we get those feelings that are like heaven, but we are not in heaven. This is a very tough place and we are to have compassion on ourselves. We are to have compassion on others and recognize that addictions are very, very evil in nature and they steal people's lives. They steal the essence of the person. They steal peace. It changes who the person is. So the very thing the person with the addiction is trying to do is be more of who they are so they're, they're wanting help to be more of who they are. And the thing that an addiction does is causes them to be less than who they are. They become less and less of the person that God has created them to be. So we want to pray for the oppressed. We want to pray for the captive. And many times with, with people that struggle with addictions, they are far harder on themselves than we could ever be, which creates more of an addictive process. It's very, very important that we don't judge the addict and that if you are struggling with an addiction, you do not judge yourself. Struggling with addictions doesn't make people bad or evil. It just creates behaviors that we can't be proud of. So today, I want you to really, really have a different outlook and a different way of looking at addictions, whether it's someone you love, whether it's you struggling with it, that there is no shame in getting help, and there is no shame in struggling. We just don't always get to pick what we struggle with. So God loves you. God always values you. And I'm praying that God blesses you. And we will talk again tomorrow about addictions. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Have a blessed,
0: blessed day. To hear today's program again, or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.